now that you've moved, but this is good because in case the sound goes out again, we're prepared. So this is good. Well, let me just pray for a second. Father, let's, first of all, we, we just uh, bind any uh, obstacles and hindrances that would try to come through the sound system. We just plead the blood of Jesus over all of the communication tonight, Father. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, guard and protect all that's being said. And, and, and even for the listeners, Father, I just bind any distractions or anything that would happen that would try to steal what you want to do tonight. So, Lord, I, sp- I speak the blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking for your um, angelic host to surround this room and guard and protect and minister to those who are, are seated here tonight. So we welcome your presence now. Lord, I ask that you'd speak through me, Father. I just yield myself now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to do this. All right. Um, Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about um, spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And I'm going to throw a few things in to just try and uh, bring some clarity to maybe some discernment. I'm not going to go deep into discernment, but I do want to say that what I cover tonight will sharpen your discernment. Um, If you understand the armor of God and really what is there available to us so that we might fight the battles... Uh, with what God has given us, it will sharpen your discernment. So it will be thrown in, but on a different level than maybe uh, expected. But one thing I do want to say to you is that that's actually my strongest gift. Of all the prophetic gifts that I operate in, that's the one that I'm the strongest in is discernment of spirit. So afterwards, I think there's going to be a Q&A, if I'm correct. And uh, you can ask me all the questions you want about that then. Okay, and I love questions, so this is great. When, when you ask me a question, it literally pulls on my anointing. So afterwards, there's going to be a time where you can ask to your heart's delight. So that'd be great. Okay, there's a key scripture that I'm going to focus on. And, and also, I don't know if you got the handout, but I do have the handout for this message. Uh, I had about 25 of them. I hope that there was enough. Uh, if not, maybe we can run a few more copies. But um, anyhow. The key scripture for tonight, I'm going to take it out of Ephesians because one of the things that I want to lay a foundation of is really knowing your position in Christ. If you're going to be an intercessor, if you're going to have um, anything that you do mighty in the kingdom that's, that's lasting, you need to know who you are in Christ. And so I'm going to touch on that tonight and, and kind of use it as our foundation. The key scripture is going to be Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. I'm just going to read it to you. This is from the New International Version. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable uh, riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What I'm going to highlight there is that we are seated in heavenly places, and we must have a mindset that really embraces that truth because that is our position. And I could spend probably another two hours explaining to you what being seated actually means. But I just want to begin to draw out that truth. So we know in this verse about how our position in Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places. This is a critical understanding that when we consider our spiritual walk, the warfare that we experience, this is, this is also how we're called to stand, is that we need to know that we are seated in heavenly places. And it's from that standpoint that we war. 
it's that standpoint that we hear the Lord and, and execute what it is that he's given for us to do. Now, let's begin by discussing the context of the battle we face, because we need to know what is it. Now, I realize that we probably all kind of have an understanding of that somewhat, but I want to I just kind of paint a picture for you tonight as well. So let's talk about the nature of our warfare. That's going to be the first fill-in. And Ephesians 6 is where we're going to jump off into. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, which is wicked spirits, in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Now, the context of this verse is that Paul has just finished giving the brethren, which is obviously brothers and sisters in Christ, instructions on how to live a life pleasing to their Heavenly Father. Paul recognizes that the brethren will experience, and that's the next fill-in, spiritual opposition. And so his final exhortation is to become strong in the strength of the Lord. Well, how can we do that? How can God's people increase in the strength of the Lord? Well, verse 11 actually answers this. It says um, for believers to put on the whole armor of God, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is understanding how to do that and what's involved in each piece of the armor because that's part of how we're going to gain strength. The armor refers to both offensive and defensive weapons given to us by God for victory in the battle. You know, one of the things that is so amazing about what Christ has done and the provision that we have is that Jesus Christ, as he lived on this earth, he knew intimately the battle that we were going to face. And he gave us everything that we needed to not only overcome, but to be victorious in every situation. Now, that doesn't mean that every battle we feel like we've necessarily gained victory, but we have been given in Christ everything we need to be victorious, to overcome. And really, as we apply what we've been given, that's where we not only grow and mature, but we, we gain ground for the kingdom, and that's really important. Now, what kind of opposition will we face? Verse 11 identifies the wiles of the devil. Now, wiles means methods. That's the next fill-in. Or stratagems, carefully planned out by the enemy to tempt us to sin. These methods are hidden like ambushes and they include things like, the first fill-in is sudden thoughts to do wrong. Have you ever had a thought just kind of come? And you're like, where did that come from? And you know it's really kind of not from you, but it makes you think, oh, maybe I, it just is kind of this impulsive thing to do something, and it's not right. That's, that's one of the wiles of the devil. He's trying to tempt your mind to do something, sometimes by being impulsive, that's not in alignment with the Word of God. There's hindrances and obstacles. I think we experienced a little bit tonight. The enemy was not happy of what God wants to do tonight. So there was different difficulties. Actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, one of the things that we do in our church is I have my prophetic intercessors in particular stay on watch throughout the whole service. And, and actually, I don't really even have to tell them to do that because they're so discerning spiritually that if, if something's going on, they're already picking it up and on watch anyway. 
But I, I just give them a little direction that if you, if you hear sound difficulties, if, and with our pastor, he is so articulate that if, if he ever has difficulty speaking or seems to be tripping over his words, I say, be suspicious that the enemy is opposing him. Sometimes when you're standing up here, the enemy is opposing the message that, that God wants to be uttered. And so when, I, when we see those things, we begin to say, okay, we need to just take our stand in God and speak protection over our pastor and all that God wants to do in the service. That's the key. God wants to accomplish something in each and every service that happens at church. And the kinds of things that the enemy doesn't want to happen is he doesn't want people to sense God's presence. He doesn't want them changed, delivered, saved. He doesn't want those things to happen. And God does. And it's, it's an opportunity when we join together for God to move mightily in those ways, especially when we enter into worship and then the word of God and then ministry that takes place afterwards. Those are all really, really important. So the enemy opposes that. Other things, discouragements, frustration, fears is a big one. Uh, lies of the enemy, those are the fiery darts that, that are aimed against us that we know that the, the enemy is positioned to oppose us. We know that those fiery darts can come. And, uh, and we just have to be aware of that. Infirmity, sicknesses, diseases, those are things that oppose us. Curses, witchcraft. Sometimes witchcraft comes in the form of our own words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's what the word says. And if you're not speaking things that are in alignment with what God would want to say about your life or somebody else's, be careful because we are made in the image of God. And because we're made in his image, part of that is that when we speak something, it's got creative power. And it's not the same power that God has. When God spoke, let there be light, all heaven and earth aligned with his word, and that was created out of something that didn't exist. That's how powerful his word spoken is. And because we are made in his image, there's a part of us that also has that ability, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Things get created in your life when you speak negative things. Things get created in your life when you speak in agreement with what God is saying. So be very careful as to what you're speaking. Sometimes through murmuring, complaining, gossip, and slander, those are things that really take on a different nature, take on more of an agreement with the enemy, and you just don't want to do that. Chaos and confusion is also something that opposes us. Harassment. Sometimes, you know, I wake up in the morning and it just seems like everything I do is hard, you know. That's a type of harassment that can happen. And, and yes, real life happens. Not everything that is difficult or that seems to oppose us is necessarily the enemy's operation. But when it begins to be a pattern, and it's like everything they do seems just to be hard, and you're like noticing it going, everything I'm doing today is just hard. It may be a spiritual opposition. So be on guard for that because the enemy would love to frustrate you and move you out of a a godly mindset. Addictions, tormenting thoughts, doubting and unbelief, oppression and heaviness. Those are all things. And that's just a partial list. I'm sure there's a ton of other things I haven't even thought of. But those are just the type of opposition that we face. Paul goes on to explain in verse 13 that the real battle is not with flesh and blood, with mankind, in other words, but against principalities, a type of principal, and actually a principality is a type of principal leader in the demonic ranks. That's what a principality is. Uh, Powers, that I'd like to explain to you. 
because that's, that's an interesting one that doesn't get talked about. A power is something, it's almost like a cloud that moves in. And probably the best description of this is if those of you um, remember the Rodney King trial, do you remember that? And when the decision came forth, I mean, people were rioting in the streets, and it just all hell broke loose, literally. And there was a power at work with that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because people who don't normally loot and, and do all these terrible things, people did things that they didn't normally do because there was an influence, there was a power working from city to city that released something that was just terrible at that time. A power works that way. It's like a cloud that moves, and it influences as it goes. So that's, that's what a power is. Um, and then there's uh, rulers of the darkness of this world um, and spiritual wickedness, wicked spirits in high places. This, in essence, speaks of the demonic ranks of opposition orchestrated by the devil. So what is the enemy seeking in these attacks? Ultimately, he wants to divide. And there's three things that he wants to divide. The first thing is that he wants to divide us from God himself in our personal relationships. And that's something that we have to be on, on guard about. Um, he tries to get us to um, not only not come to a place of salvation, but to not trust in God. So even if you are saved, it's like he wants to divide you from trusting God for the things that you know, you're seeking him for or need his strength for or even just to know how to move forward in what God has called you to. He wants to divide you from your heavenly father. And he does it in a lot of ways. There's a scripture that talks about how the, the devil's like a roaring lion that seeks who he might devour. Did you know that that word devour means to distract? <laughs> he wants to distract you from God. He doesn't want you focused there. And that goes straight back to um, when Satan himself fell from heaven. His whole focus is that you would look at him. He wants to be worshipped. And I'm sure you've heard of the five I wills. I will ascend above God. I will, you know, I will, I will. Okay, that's, Satan wants the attention. He wants to be God. And so a lot of how he uh, works in our lives is to get our attention to focus on him. So one of, actually, the, the strongest things that you can do in opposition to the enemy is just keep your eyes on God. Focus on him. Because that's what really upsets the devil is when we're focused on God. So focus there. Um, the second area is that he tries to divide us from covenant relationships. And I'm talking about um, marriage, uh, godly relationships, ministry relationships, friendships, parents and children. Those are things that the enemy wants to divide us from. So there's a strong opposition that comes in that direction. What, what is a good question to ask is when there is conflict, when there are uh, contentions and strifes. Ask yourself, what is the devil really after with this? What's, what's really going on here? Because oftentimes the issue is not the issue. There's something that's really the enemy is after here, and sometimes we just have to stop and recognize that and, and just say, you know what, what we think we're fighting over, we really, we just need to not make that our issue and realize that there's really division that's trying to get in here instead. So we need to be aware of that. Also, the church. That's probably the um, thing that the devil is most fearful of, is that when we're united, we have the power to defeat the gates of hell. 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so it's the unity that he is so afraid of because when we're unified, we have just amazing authority and power to overcome the evil one. And he is trembling in his boots because he's afraid that that's going to happen. And his kingdom is it's threatened when we are unified. So it's really key. So unity is really an important thing that we maintain. That's why these divisions are really important to keep watch on and be praying over all the time. Because unity causes authority and power when, when, when there's a synergy that happens when we're unified. So what's our best defense? It's in putting on the whole armor of God. The armor that we have available to us, obviously, in Christ, that we are able to withstand, oppose, stand against the wiles of the devil in the evil day. What evil day is this? The word refers to the day that you are tempted or assaulted by these demonic methods or surprise attacks. And that's often how it happens, is these surprise attacks that we're just not expecting. So what is the armor that we're to put on? Now, at the time that this was written, um, the reference militarily was to the Roman soldier. So a lot of what's described is, is really in that context. So that's where I'm going to go back to and describe these things. And it'll help to draw a picture of how each piece of the armor is really important to warring effectively. The first one is the girdle of truth. And the girdle of truth is a leather apron that, that goes around. And it represents truth in the inward parts, having to do with our heart and our mind. Truth will divide truth from error. And when we have truth in the inward parts, peace can come. So it's very important. It also um, pulls things together. It sets an order in our life that's very important. And oftentimes a Roman soldier, what they would do is they had these long flowing robes, the men did, and, uh, and they would pull these, these robes up into their leather belt and they'd tuck it in. Because if they, if they tried to run, oftentimes they would trip so they'd pull these long flowing robes up into their, into their uh, belt so that their legs were unencumbered. And that's what truth does. Truth sets you free because it divides truth from error. And so it unencumbers your ability to walk forward. And that's why truth is a really important part of the armor. Truth comes from the word of God. Truth comes from the Holy Spirit prompting you and speaking to you. So that's very important. The breastplate of righteousness. Now that's a coat of mail, and um, this particular piece covers the vital organs of the heart, and it's it's like an inner inner weaving, you know, of of metal, so that if you tried to stick a a knife through a sharp object, it would stop it cold, because of the interlocking of this. So there's a protection, and this has to do with the righteousness of God, and and. Where I'd like to really paint a little bit of a picture is that when we ask for forgiveness before God and we say, Lord, we've really messed up. We need Jesus to, um, uh, to save us from our sins, and we receive that. When we really come into that relationship with Christ and then we go before the Father, when the Father looks at us, he no longer sees that sin anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus covering you. And if you were to ask him, do you remember when I did this? He'd say, no, 
I don't. Because I've thrown that sin as far as the east is from the west because that's what the blood of Jesus does. It cleanses. He doesn't see it anymore, which means that we don't have to wear shame. We don't have to be bound in guilt or condemnation. So when the enemy comes to accuse us, this is our best defense. is because of how the Father views us. This is the Father that created the universe, created all of us. And if he is looking at you and says they're clean, then there is no force on this earth that can accuse you and make you feel bad about yourself when the Father of the universe who created everything is saying you're clean. So that's a weapon that we have against the accuser of the brethren, and we need to use it. We need to stand confident in who he says we are, not in these demonic voices or even things that people say to us that are insensitive. You know, it just, it just happens. And what we can do is say, no, you know, I might have blown it. I might have made a mistake, but I've, I've asked for forgiveness, and I am clean now because he's forgiven me. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so that's a stance that we have in Christ that we can war with, especially when the enemy tries to come and accuse. So that's, that's a really important one. Um, also, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These are sandals with leather straps that kind of lace up part of the leg, go up to about the knee area. But what's interesting is on the bottom is that there's spikes, probably very much like some of the, you know, the, the shoes that you wear for like soccer and things like that. There's like a spiked bottom. These sandals had spikes on the bottom of it. It was so that the traction, you could gain your footing. And this is what peace with God does. When you are reconciled with Father God, through Christ Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's peace that comes to you. And that gives you solid footing to be able to stand firm and walk forward in how you're called. But you have to have that confidence from God himself. And that's when you have peace with him because you've made it right, you and him have made it right. And then, because of that peace, we then become ambassadors, emissaries, to give that good news to others. And that's the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that's, that's moving forward in, in sharing the message and advancing the kingdom. Now there's also the shield of faith. Shield of faith is interesting because it's like a door-like frame that covers almost from head to foot and from side to side. You really can't see uh, the person who's holding it. And with that, it's, it's got the outside of it has like a leather, a soft leather that's placed on almost like a door frame type of, of background. And if you were to dip it in water, which is what they did, the water would absorb into that top layer of the leather. And when fiery darts would be launched at it, guess what happened? You'd hear it. <laughs> and, that was, and those are the fiery darts being extinguished because that's what the shield of faith does. When we are standing believing God for what he says about our life rather than what other people or what uh, the enemy says about our life, then we can stand with confidence and those fiery darts just bounce right off. They're extinguished. It's the shield of faith that allows us to do that. The promises of God that he's given to you, either through the word of God, a rhema word that's happened even in reading the word of God, the logos, or a prophetic word that comes, when you apply your faith to that word, it forms a shield around you. 
And there's a scripture in the Old Testament that I absolutely love. It's actually, I believe, the Old Testament version of, of the shield of faith that we see in the New Testament. is in Psalm 91.4. And it basically says that God's faithful promises are our armor and protection. So it, it, it draws a connection that God's promises towards us is an armor. It's a piece of the armor. And it protects us if we'll believe him. So that's really, really key. Um, in being able to stand strong. Now, what happens is sometimes we start getting into doubt and unbelief, and here's what happens to the shield. It starts to lower. And as it starts to lower, guess what starts getting exposed? Your heart. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you out of faith and so that he can hit you. So it's really important that you keep in a place of faith. And I know that sometimes you just don't see how God's going to move in a situation, but it doesn't matter what you can see because the Word of God says lean not to your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the reason why he says that is because our minds are limited. We can only see through our own natural understanding. And when we do that, we're not seeing the whole picture. We're only seeing a partial picture. What we've not factored in is God's ability to create something that we can't see and fulfill it in ways that we couldn't imagine. That's what he's able to do. And so if we lean to our own understanding, we're not factoring that, that creative power that God has in, and we're not seeing it correctly. So it's better to just trust in the promise and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust that you'll be faithful and you'll do that. That's the best stance to take. You don't have to figure it out and see how he's going to do it. You just simply need to believe him, period. And as you do that, you have peace, you have protection, and when those, ar- those arrows start flying, they will fly whether you have the shield up or not. They will be flying. But if you have them in place, they bounce right off, and you're not going to be hurt emotionally because that's what happens is it hits in your heart where your mind, your will, and your emotions are, and it starts to hurt and you start to doubt, and then you can just kind of spiral down on an emotional level that way. But the shield of faith is there to protect us. So that's just something that's really important to keep in mind. There's also another scripture in Isaiah 7-9 that I found, I want to say about four years ago, that really caught my attention. It, it basically says, unless your faith is firm, I cannot cause you to stand firm. And um, in the Old Testament, there, um, the Lord was talking to one of the the kings, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. Go ahead and read it, though. It's really awesome. Um, but basically, if you're not going to stand in faith, then he can't cause you to be firm in the faith that you're standing. But if you do stand in faith, he will shore you up so that it remains strong. That's what that's basically saying. Now, the next one is the helmet of salvation. Um, this is a metal helmet of protection. It protects the mind from attacks. And the only way you can put on this helmet is to get saved. Because you can't have the helmet of salvation unless you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart and you've made it right with him. So that's really key. And this is important because it's, um, the mind is, is a huge battlefield. In fact, it's the biggest battlefield that we face. And it's really important that we have the helmet of salvation because that activates all the other things that we have available to us. And uh, a little illustration that I, I like to talk to people. I wish I had a, a blackboard in the back of me because this is a really neat illustration. But 
we, we get thoughts. Sometimes we get thoughts from God. Sometimes we get thoughts from the enemy. And then we have our own thoughts. Thoughts in and of themselves, regardless of the source, uh, we're going to have them. And, and there's no condemnation for just having a thought. It's when you start agreeing with it and start dwelling on it and refer back to it, then something else happens. It goes into your mind and travels about 18 inches to your heart. And when it gets to your heart, it begins to plant itself. And then it begins to grow and take root. And the reason why that's dangerous is because when it's planted and it begins to grow, something follows it. And it's called actions. Out of your mouth, the heart speaks, and actions will follow what you speak. So it's important what you're agreeing with. So those thoughts that come, that's just the initial gateway. And you need to be careful what that is. God's thoughts are a great thing when those are planted in your heart. That will also produce an action. So just be on guard about that. The sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive weapon in the sheath that is held in the girdle of truth. Um, It is um, both an offensive and a defensive weapon, which is interesting. Um, It is both able to defend you because it divides the truth. And you can see clearly when you apply the word of God, when the enemy comes to accuse you and you say, no, the word of God says this about me, it divides the truth from the error right there. But also when you speak the truth to someone, it has the ability, because it's alive and it's active, it has creative power even as you speak the word of God. Even as I'm declaring to you different scriptures right now into the atmosphere as it's going out, it's got creative power. And that creative power, you're hearing, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. It's got that creative power to transform your mind. And that's how we're transformed into the image of Christ. And so it's got creative power, and the way it is um, offensive is it can take ground. That means people can become saved by hearing the word of God. So it's really a powerful tool. Um, now, what is our positional authority in exercising these weapons? Well, Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated in heavenly places. We talked about that with Christ Jesus and that we share in his inheritance. In addition, Colossians 2.15 refers to Jesus as having spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over uh, them in it. In other words, he stripped them of their power. So because our spiritual position is in Christ, what is under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ is under our feet as well. Because we share, we are co-heirs in Christ. And so we, we share in that same authority. This means, and especially as, as um, people of prayer, people who are prophetic, um, this means that we need to see ourselves correctly in the battles that we face. We are not underneath the battle. That's not where we are. And some people are saying, oh, I'm just, oh, my gosh, I'm just, just trying to tread water. And it's like, no, you're not underneath the battle. That's not where you are. And if you see yourself that way, you'll function that way. You're above the battle. You're not in the battle just having hand-to-hand combat with the enemy and, oh, I won this one or I lost that one. No. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are above the battle. And it's from that vantage point that we war. That is your authority in Christ. And when you know that, and you're standing firm in that, and you've got the armor of God on, what happens 
is you begin to see differently. When, if you can get yourself out of the soul realm where your mind, your will, and emotions are, oftentimes the battles that come try to engage us on an emotional level. And the reason for that is to blind us from what's really happening. I, I ask, in fact, I've told my intercessors to do this, is that whenever you get hit on an emotional level, I always get very suspicious. I start thinking, okay, what am I not seeing because I'm tempted to just focus right here and not see anything else because this hurt. So what am I not seeing that I otherwise would be seeing because I'm normally looking out here? And the temptation is to just look here. So learn to ask that question, especially if you're called to a strong place of intercession, because it's, it's a facade of the enemy. It's not that what's happening to you isn't real. It is. But there may be a strategy behind it to get you not looking at where you need to be seen so that you can deal with the real battle and not just what's happening with yourself. That's really important. So seeing yourself above the battle is important. If you're not having to battle through your emotions, you can ascend higher by the Spirit of God, and you can begin to hear God more clearly, view the battle from his perspective, and war effectively. And that's ultimately what you want to do. That's, but there's a warfare to that. The enemy is really good at getting us upset and pushing our buttons. And it's <laughs> but you know what? We have authority over it, and sometimes it just takes us growing up a little bit, um, dealing with our flesh a lot, and dying to ourselves to really get to that place where we're not moved by these battles. But it's an important thing that we do because lives are at stake. The whole reason why we've been given a place of intercession is because Jesus came to save the lost. Every battle you face, everything that opposes you is about that battle for lost people. And it's really important that we stay focused in the right way, that we maintain our watch, that we maintain the place of prayer, because that's how you advance the kingdom, is right there. And there's a lot of reasons for it I could talk an hour on. Anyway, maintaining a victory mindset. Um, some things that I think would just, that I just like to throw out as suggestions, are, this is definitely not a complete list, but just something that I'd like to throw out that is helpful. Um, maintaining uh, personal prayer time. Fight for that, because you know what? When we get busy, that's one of the first things that goes. Think, ah, oh, we can just pray a little less, you know, because I got all this stuff to do today. That is a strategy straight from the pit of hell, I'm telling you. It is, because when you give up your prayer time, you're giving up a little bit of your victory. Because it's in his presence, first of all, that personal communion that we have with him is key to hearing what he has to say, knowing what he would be saying to us for that day. He might be giving us some key wisdom, things to pray about, strategies, sharing his heart. What's burdening the heart of the Lord that he wants us to pray on? We need to be hearing him so that we can be victorious throughout our day. So don't give that up. And, and by the way, I, I do pray early in the morning, but that's not necessarily something that I would be naturally given to. And I've had to really um, release myself from feeling like it has to happen this way because honestly, I, I pray all the time. And, and, it's, and sometimes I'm just praying in the car. Just, I just allow it to be unceasing throughout my day. Um, I've just kind of learned to talk to God that way. And, and it's not always a planned time. 
doesn't always have to happen in the morning. It's a good idea if it could be because that is the start to your day. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I'm, I'm up at 10 o'clock, you know, praying. But it's important that you're checking in with God every day. That's the main thing. And to not get yourself into a place of, if I didn't do it at this certain time, then now, okay, my whole day's gone. I just, I blew it, you know. Don't do that. Allow it to come up naturally as well because that's part of what God wants to do. So fight for your prayer time. Stay in the word of God. This is your spiritual compass. This is how you don't get weird in intercession. This is how you don't get prophetically weird because you need to be able to line up what you're discerning and sensing with the word of God. And this is how I train my intercessors so that we don't get a little woohoo in the spirit and we start doing some weird things. We stay grounded in the word. You should be able to see either in principle or in actuality that which you discern or are sensing. You should be able to see it somewhere. Also, practice daily worship. This is essential to your refreshment and, and just cultivating the presence of God in your life. That's absolutely key. Uh, keep short accounts in your relationships. This is where the enemy seeks a foothold with offenses. Really try as best as you can to, to not allow the sun to go down on your anger and to deal with things. If you're not able to deal with the situation because the other person's not, you know, willing to do that, that's not your fault. But what you can do is give it to God and say, Lord, I forgive that person. I'm going to trust you with the situation. Yes, it bothers me, but I'm going to cast that care onto you and let you take care of it. And he will. It might take some time, but he will. Nobody gets away with anything, really. Um, the last thing is uh, physical rest. Sometimes our warfare comes because we haven't taken care of ourselves properly. So physical rest, eating right, exercising, those sound like simple things, but truthfully, they all work together. So it's really, really important. I think one thing I would like to do, do we have time to do the activation? Are we good on time? Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is I know that many of us probably have things that are uh, trying to divide us. And if you go back to, I think, the first side of the page where I outlined the three areas where you might um, feel like you're being opposed just in your own relationship with God or there may be one of the forms of a covenant relationship that you feel like uh, the enemy is trying to divide, whether it's a marriage, your children, uh, uh, a ministry relationship, uh, whatever it is. If you feel like you're being opposed there or you just feel like, you know, I just really need to stand in the gap on behalf of the church because the enemy would love to come in and divide. Um, I'd like you to just identify an area that you'd really like to come into agreement for that to break tonight. We're going to just apply some of what we've learned tonight and take authority over it and just say no to the enemy. So I'd like you to just maybe get in pairs, and we'll just take a couple minutes and we'll do that, and then I'll just close this out with a prayer, and then I'll hand it back to you guys. Okay, if you'd like to stand, go ahead. We're just going to take about three, five minutes at the most. Thank you, Father. Lord, you know these situations that people are facing. And, Father, right now, 
in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, we take authority where the enemy has come to divide and to devour. We break the power of the strategies now in the name of Jesus where there has been disunity, Father. We're claiming the unity and the spirit of of Christ to come and break those dividing walls right now in the name of Jesus. We claim back that which the enemy is trying to rob. We, we ask, Lord, that you would move mightily in these situations. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would go in and that you would just overwhelm the situation by your presence and call people into divine order, Father, for what you have in our relationship with you personally, with these covenant relationships, and also with your church. We claim that. And Lord, I speak a shield of protection around this house right now and around the banisters, Father, and everyone, Father, that is part of this church. I speak a hedge of protection, the blood of Jesus, and a breaking of every strategy, every word that has been ushered against this house, Father, in in opposition. I break the power of it. I break every demonic force behind it, and we cancel that now. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you are bringing peace, that you are sending growth, Father, and fulfillment to this house. We thank you for it now. We thank you that your people will be unified in ways that are beyond what they've experienced before because of what you're doing, Lord. So we thank you for that now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Also, I do have a book that I've written, and if you are interested, I have five copies, and if we run out, I can tell you where we can get more. So this is a great time if you have a question and you have that sheet. I mean, you might have some questions. That was an awesome, awesome teaching. I hope that went deep within your spirit and you're going to be using those different things that you heard. But we're going to break. We're going to have some refreshments. Um, Denise, next week, is going to be speaking on the prayer of agreement. And we're going to have prayer stations set up. And you don't want to miss this because... Uh, agreeing prayer is very powerful prayer. Just like you can agree in the negative, you can agree in prayer in the positive and see things really begin to change and happen. So we're going to break, do a Q&A. Ellen's going to be sitting right here enjoying a comfy seat. Grab your coffee and your cookie. And uh, let's talk spiritual warfare a little more. Huh? Go out and use it. And you, you need to be able to go pick up your kids, and they can become a part of this also. We still need preschool needs, helpers, and teachers. So if you can help, please, uh, we'd love. And turn those little questions. If you have a question, you can hand that over to me or Bruce.